Hello and welcome to the See You Tomorrow podcast. I'm Katrina Logie, a creative entrepreneur and a catalyst for change. I get inspired by interviewing people who are creating change for tomorrow's world and building the future. And that's exactly what I do on this show. See You Tomorrow is powered by Harbour Space, the university of the future. So today on the See You Tomorrow podcast, we are talking to Jacobo Vallea, who is CIO at Aula Escola Europea and is founder of ecco.com and also collaborating here with um, Leagues of Code and bringing in uh, the programme into Aula School. Yeah. So, Jacobo, it's, it's great to have you here today, and it would be lovely to sort of hear about how you got into coding. Um, well, how I got into coding is, uh, was very gradual. It, does, it wasn't something that happened just from one day to the next day. I, I, so in the beginning, I didn't like computers at all. Uh, I had uh, some bad experiences in my early years. And then I uh, and then I got in a, in a chat with a friend. This was probably when I was twelve or thirteen years old. I was talking with a friend. He was he loved gaming and he was talking talking to me about uh, Broken Sword was the game, and uh, he knew so much about computers. He I remember he I, I didn't know if I didn't know this game. He told me, "Can you install it on your computer?" I said, "I don't know. Will my computer be powerful enough?" And he and he asked me, "What are the digits you see?" on your on the box in the computer case and uh, I told him 66 and he said okay then it's enough and I was to me I was surprised I, w- I was so now I know it was 66 megahertz um, in those times in those times uh, the computers uh, they had this panel where you could see the the speed digital panel uh, the, a small display um, so I was I was impressed how could he know I could install this this game just by knowing something on a digital um, display and uh, so I, I got interested in computers. Uh, that's how I began my interest in computers. And then gradually, uh, probably two or three years later, I found an article on a, on a magazine. My, my father bought uh, computer magazines. And it, it was, it, uh, the title was, Learn to Build Your Own Program. Uh-huh. And uh, it was just a simple article about C++ or C. I'm not sure whether it was C++ or C. And uh, that's how I began programming. I did my first example, Hello World. I was amazed at Hello, <laughs> Hello World. Hello World is the, the, mo- the classic first uh, code you program in any language. Just okay. a program displays Hello World. And um, I, 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 I know from there on, I, I thought, wow, I can do almost whatever I can virtually, of course. But yes. this computer is going to do anything I order it to do. And that's powerful. And I, I got engaged. Great. Why do you think you were afraid of computers at the beginning? Uh, I was afraid because I had, uh, wasn't the so my father um, tried to involve my sister and I, my sister, she's, she's three years older. She, he tried to involve this in computers. He tried, uh, he was learning about computers. He loved it, uh, I guess. And he, he wanted us to learn uh, something about computers. So he prepared an exercise for my sister and I, in which we had to type some DOS comments, some DOS comments. Uh, I don't remember the, what the exercise was about. I um, I was maybe five years old, and it was very stressing for me. We did neither my sister nor I uh, got any results. We we were stuck in the first step, 
And uh, I, I began crying because I was very stressed. <laughs> with all this, my father was insisting, you have to do it, you have to do it. Uh, we weren't getting anyway, I began crying. To me, it was a trauma for many years. And uh, I was afraid for comp of computers for, for a long, long time, for many years, to the point where my father changed his computer. He, and he told us, uh, this my old computer, I will put it in, in, in my bedroom. Uh, so I will have it as, as part of the office of my office and uh, and they don't want it. I didn't want the computer in my in my room at all. Funny, isn't it, how yeah. you turned it around? Yes, yes. And how, how uh, life uh, takes you on a journey that it you does. don't expect. No. <laughs> and your sister, does she understand coding? No, she's an architect. Ah, okay. So, so why was your father so keen for you to learn about computers? Well, I guess he knew it was the way to go, and uh, he was learning by then. Uh, he was attending many uh, courses, and I guess he... Is it, what's his background? He's an engineer. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, <laughs> it makes sense, eh? So, you're, you grew up in Catalonia? Yeah, Barcelona. Okay, and you basically, have you lived anywhere else, or have you just lived in Catalonia? I lived in Munich for a while, for six months, during my Erasmus program. Okay, how was that? I loved it. I, I didn't enjoy it a lot because it was very cold. We went down to 26 below zero, so it was really cold to do mostly anything. But uh, the experience of living abroad and uh, be somewhere where you don't know anyone and don't uh, don't know anything. That I knew the language a little uh, German, but uh, but I wasn't fluent, so. I loved it. Great. And then you have uh, worked for Aula yeah. for nearly, what, 14 years? I began in 2006, 15 years. Okay. Was this your first job or you had? I had done smaller jobs. I Before working Aula, I, I uh, had worked in a, in a, well, I don't know the name in English, where you sell newspapers. A new, well, a newspaper stand. Okay. That's, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, and uh, also as a secretary in a lawyer's firm or office. I don't okay. think it was a firm, probably several lawyers uh, working independently. Um, and I had worked in a kind of, uh, it's called it internship, uh, for someone in UPC, in the Polytechnic University of Catalonia. Okay, very good. Um, but, but I mean, it's amazing that you, you know, you're, you've been so loyal to Aula. <laughs> tell us, tell us a little bit about your, you know, your responsibility at Aula and why you like teaching and why you like working there. Um, so the, the way I got there was very random. It was this, this uh, person I was working for building his website in UPC and he told me there's, I've been contacted by someone in Aula, they're looking for someone to help um, with uh, help the, the kids uh, when they are they have questions related to regular you know word uh, office Excel outlook um, are you interested and um, well I asked my mother because you know I was 18, I think it was the the last the, the end of the first year in in university for me and my mother said yeah sure take it uh, it's a very good school <laughs> so that's how I got in I, I I thought I would be there for six months only and uh, as you said life turns <laughs> turns around a lot and um, so that was my initially that was my job but very early uh, the person who was in charge of most of the programming classes um, left the school uh -huh. uh, he was also in charge of the IT in the school and because I was the closest 
person to knowing anything uh, related to computers. Um, just naturally, people were asking me how to fix things, or or they had lost their, their their password and they didn't know how to get in. Or and well, I had the access, although I didn't have any passwords. Uh, that was a, an amazing challenge, actually. I very stressing, very uh, hard, and uh, lots of non-sleeping nights. But uh, the challenge of uh, fixing uh, a whole school, which was at that point without passwords, without any access to the how, to the servers, without any documentation of how to how everything was set up, I I was enjoying it a lot, and um, it got me very committed to getting all this working back to normal. Uh, and then there was the classes. Uh, they asked me to teach for three days. Mm -hmm. uh, eventually, I was teaching for almost the end of the year. <laughs> I guess they liked how that how I did it. I don't know. I, I didn't get any any feedback, but um, I always had had um, I always had enjoyed teaching people. So uh, at school, when someone uh, because I had I, I knew English because I uh, I could speak English because I had um, gone to an English school when I was uh, a kid. I liked I enjoyed uh, explaining to my colleagues what what the solutions were uh, to their homework. Of course, that was the, that was what they would ask. They wouldn't ask how to go further, but they would ask how to solve their homework. So I uh, and also about uh, programming, I, I enjoyed uh, um, teaching other people uh, the basics of programming. And uh, so I when when I was asked to teach uh, there. Um, at the beginning, I was I was nervous. Obviously, mm. it's one thing to teach one person or two people. It's not the same to teach twenty five uh, people in a class. It's more like a conference than just a colleague conversation. Mm -hmm. um, but I did enjoy it. So you were you started off like um, setting up the computer system at Aula, and then you went into teaching. It was at the same time. So same this person time. was in charge of both things. And he left, but he left abruptly from one day to the next. I see. Um, yeah. And what it, tell us about Aula. I mean, it's got a very good reputation here. Hmm. Why has it got a rep good reputation? It's got a reputation about uh, trying to bring out the best out of uh, each student, try to push them further and further. So uh, one of the things it tries is not to not to limit anyone because uh, you cannot, you don't have the time to spend on, on them. So one thing that's, that happens a lot in schools is uh, you have to take care that the average uh, gets better and better in, in a class. So if I'm teaching programming, I need most of the kids, actually I need all of the kids to achieve a certain level and the average to be another certain level, which is usually a different to the, to the to the, the, the minimum, the bare minimum you need to achieve in each year. How do you manage that in terms of when you've got different standards in the classroom? Oh, that's really hard. It's really, really hard. Uh, you can only manage it if you are committed and are willing to spend a lot of extra time, which no one is going to um, to pay for. But Because uh, everybody learns differently, don't they? Yes. And, and, and different strategies are required for different people. Not Maybe not specific for each person, but uh, so what what works the best is to get them engaged, obviously. Uh, and uh, for example, one thing I always say that the the best way to engage someone in in a class is to make them feel like you're teaching just him or her, that he or she feels like he or she's the only one you're exactly. teaching to. Yeah, and that's really, really hard. It really needs a lot of commitment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to treat them like they are the only one in yeah. the room. 
But you say how many in the class? 25? Um, uh, back then it was more, it was maybe 30. Okay. Or 32 even. I see. And has it changed you over time? Because, I mean, 14 years is a long time. Yeah. What, what have you seen in terms of improvements in the classroom? Well, we have more technology, uh, not only in Aula, everywhere. That does help. For example, um, to me, uh, trying to uh, be special for every kid, uh, one thing that I could do over the years that I couldn't do in the beginning was when someone was uh, obviously learning faster than the rest, usually in each class, in, at least in computer programming classes, you have between one and five at most that are learn much faster than the rest um, because they have this ease, natural ease to, to learn uh, programming and learn uh, uh, with, with the logic of, uh, of re and relation of ideas. Um, with technology, they all had emails. We had a, an email account for each, and we still have, obviously, an email account for each student. So when I saw the, or when I see that they are learning faster, what I do is I tell them, oh, well, to, this afternoon I will send you an email with some extra uh, information I want you to learn, I want you to study, and I will tell you some exercise to do the next day. Obviously, I have, I have several templates, so I just take the template of whatever I want, to, I want them to learn about and I just change a couple things or adapt it for the exercises uh, we're doing uh, that week with, uh, with those kids. Um, and that's something you cannot do without, uh, when they don't have an email, each of them. So mm -hmm. in the beginning, I couldn't do this because it required, and I did, uh, to tell them, okay, are you taking the bus this afternoon? Okay, you're not going by bus home. Okay, so stay, I will, we will spend 30 minutes, I will tell you a few things, a few additional things I want, to, I want you to learn so you can practice home. Um, so now it's much easier. I don't have to spend that 30, those 30 minutes. I can just send an email to two or three of them. I see. Um, so these are the ones that you see are quick learners and yeah. you're progressing them. Yeah. And, then, and then the slow learners, what, you're spending more time giving them attention yes you can you can you can spend more time uh so the, the the fast learners are motivated they are when they get home they are going to want to do, learn more about it the slower learners you have to motivate them so it requires a lot of extra time a lot of extra effort not time yeah. but just effort um so you have to balance you have yeah. one hour yeah and you have to balance how you move uh the time. It's yeah, yeah, a yeah. question of priorities, obviously. And you have the priorities during that hour and you have you, you the priorities regarding what you, where you want each of them uh, to reach where you want them to reach throughout the year. Okay. And during that hour, you have to engage and motivate those who are less motivated. It takes a lot of dedication. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And what is the importance of learning to code at a young age now? I mean, it's become more relevant because of technology. Mm -hmm. So why is it so important, do you think, for people to learn from a young age? I don't think it's just uh, about technology. It is about, I mean, I don't think it's just about, so I don't think the only reason to learn computer programming is because you can become, an, let's say, 50% of them probably are going to become computer programmers in one way or another. Maybe they are, their title is not computer programmer, but they might have to uh, build statistics mm -hmm. and uh, probably have to program them. Um, it's also regarding how a society we're moving, we're moving into everything is related. Uh, you have to 
so one thing that you will learn uh, from computer programming is to the relationship with between ideas and uh, when you analyze a problem you have several sub problems you have to know how they relate to each other and that's something that you have in everyday life uh, for example the first example I I I taught in the in the in my early years as a teacher was to to show the kids that uh, programming uh, so the ideas behind programming, what they are going to learn and expert uh, and get some expertise uh, through programming, are in everyday life. Are, uh, I, the example I was uh, using was uh, exchanging um, um, wow albums of uh, this adhesive. I don't know the name. Adhesive. Adhesive. You know these albums of you know, Dragon Ball with these pictures that you stick in the pages. Okay. And you exchange these cards. Let's call it oh, cards. Oh, I know. I know. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Let's call them cards. Uh, so there's a, 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 a diagram behind it. So you you get the album, of course, and you get some cards, and uh, you have to open the cards, and you go, you check every card, one after the other. So there's a sequence with an order. You check the first card. Do I have it? Do I not have it? The first card, obviously, you don't have it. It's the first card you take, and the album is empty. So you stick it in the album. You take the second card. Do I have it? Do I not have it? There are, the, the, there are different flows that come from here. Mm. Whether you have the card or you don't have the card. If you have it, you stick it in the right place. If you don't have it, you pile it in, the, in, a, in a deck of, uh, already, of cards you already have. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you go with a whole set of new cards you have uh, and then you go to some friend and you want to exchange uh, your repeated cards with uh, cards that he or she has that you don't have. So you show your first card and he or she will tell you if he or she has it or doesn't mm. and blah, blah, blah. You find out which uh, he or she doesn't have and then he or she will show you his or her cards. <laughs> wow. right? So there's a sequence and there's a diagram. There's a flow of uh, of um, of instructions, let's call them. In, okay. in computer programming, we call them instructions. There's an order. There's yeah. a set of instructions. There's an order. Yeah. Uh, th- sorry, things are repeated uh-huh. uh, because you repeat for each card you have in the deck. Uh, things are are treated differently depending on a condition, whether you have the card or you don't have the card. And this is obvious for, to us, but this is obvious because we're, we're used to it. Uh, throughout life, we get into different uh, processes which are much harder. Mm. And if you're really good with analyzing this uh, these uh, flows, these diagrams, uh, not as a, dry, a diagram, but you are used uh, in your brain to to parse it and, uh, and analyze it, you will much easier find the best solutions for each problem. Okay, so, so it's actually about learning to solve problems. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not just about, you know, com- computer, it's not just about programming um, computers. No. <laughs> but general life solving problems. Okay, so that's why you think it's good to learn coding that's why aula began teaching it right. so I, when i got into aula that's what they told me it's not just about computer programming it's the idea behind what you learn when you when you learn computer programming uh and uh and then of course computer programming has become more and more important so now you have both <laughs> both reasons and and why is it such a man's world but you know in terms of it's always been a man's world till now but you know we're trying to introduce more girls into learning to code it's i don't i really don't have an answer it's so for example yesterday was um so there is no objective reason obviously at least i don't i don't see any objective reason i don't know anyone who's been able to tell me any objective reason um just yesterday I was uh, with uh, some kids who are 10 years old. I was mm. 
playing a, a game I created with a colleague. It's a cards game where the idea is precisely this. Uh, it's a, it's a non-random, uh, there's no randomness in the game. They all can see the, each other's cards and they have to uh, guess in each round, be the first to guess which color will be the last color uh, that's set on the table by one of them. Okay, so it's uh, you have to analyze very well the, f the whole flow of uh, possible conditions by looking the the other's cards. Mm -hmm. um, this obviously it has a lot to do with computer programming, but they don't see it. But it has nothing to do with computer programming. There's not even a computer in there. There are no instructions, uh, obvious instructions, explicit instructions. Uh, so after playing this for four rounds, I think the results were that out of the first eight. Uh, which were, uh, there was a draw with six points each. Mm -hmm. Four were girls and four were boys. Mm. There is no real reason that mm. that boys, there's no, so it's not the case that boys are better uh, in, in uh, this problem solving than girls. Mm. Um, it's probably a cultural reason. I was talking to a dean in, I remember, I think he was, he's the dean of the, in, in the, University of Murcia. I'm, I'm not sure. I, I, this was three years ago, and he told me that they had. Uh, I could be wrong, but I think he he told me they had this um, uh, career about uh, which the title was bioinformatics, and they only had uh, two or three girls enrolled, and then they changed the name to something called uh, biology and technology, something like that, and they got thirty percent girls. <laughs> Wow. And there was no change at all in the subject. Right. I, I don't know it firsthand. He told me I believe him. <laughs> yeah. But it, but it's also making coding appealing for girls, isn't it? Because mm. it's always been such a sort of, you know, I mean, like, as I said, a man's world. But it's a culture thing. Yeah. And, and in terms of coding, what makes and what kind of skills do you need to be a good coder? Um, so... I, I, I come back to where what you learn from coding and from there, so my, my, the, the way I see it is what is it that you achieve as a skill when you are a good coder or when you're a coder, what, what, you're, what is it that you're training and probably from there we can guess what is it that you need to be to be a good coder. And uh, so computer programming, um, so you have to usually you have to compile a, a program for it to work, even if it's not a, com a compiling language, uh, an interpreted language as we call it. Um, if the language, if the syntaxis of the language isn't perfect, it won't do anything. Uh, this is something very specific from computer programming. Uh, if you are teaching maths, uh, the maths will do something, even if uh, if they're wrong. If you multiply two by three and you say it's seven, you can then add two and you get nine. Um, in computer programming, if you code a code that doesn't, that's not perfectly, it, its syntax isn't perfect, it won't do anything. You mm. will try to play it and it won't do anything. So um, being rigorous uh, is something you learn from it. So it's a skill you need to have, or you will learn it. Mm -hmm. uh, being concise is also important if you, change so the program can can compile eventually or can run eventually but uh, if you change one digit it probably won't work well um, so you have to be very concise uh, even if it does work well a couple times um, computer programs usually grow a lot and are become very complex 
um, and you have to be very, very, very concise and very rigorous not to find out that in two months you have to recode the whole thing because there's a problem with, that you could just can't find where it comes from. Mm. Or there are several problems, you can fix one and then you have three more and mm -hmm. uh, eventually it's a mess. And you have to, during the process, you have to be very careful how you, how you do it. And this is something that, for example, we're talking about schools and education, I can only think of programming to learn the skills and uh, master the skills. Okay. And mathematics as well? I mean, obviously, that's part of it. Mathematics uh, is also very concise. You will not get the right result if you are... So it's either perfect or uh, not correct, uh, mathematics. But in the way to, to achieve the result, you can be wrong and you will not know. In computer programming, you can be wrong with the result, but you will know immediately if you are wrong with the syntax, which is something in mathematics you don't, you don't, you, you don't have. As I said, you can multiply so two by three, say it's seven, and then add a number or multiply it again. Yeah, so so you have to be good with numbers, really. With computers, yeah. I, with computer programming, uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and tell us about, you know, the collaboration you're doing with the Leagues of Code and Aula. Uh, the, it's more a collaboration between Leagues of Code and the, uh, in the Spanish Olympiad. Um, Aula, we will try to um, uh, incorporate it uh, next year, but it's something we are we are still uh, talking with uh, among the teachers. Um, Aula is getting involved from the Olympia perspective, as Aula is the founder of the of the um, Spanish Olympiad in Informatics, and um, so we are trying. Oh, sorry, let me back up a little. Yeah, Aula has always tried to um, bring education to a next level uh, in many ways. Uh, so in 1997, it uh, created uh, the Spanish uh, Olympiad in Informatics. 1997. Wow. Yeah, a long time ago. Way ahead Very of time. Very early. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, was that, was that, that was before you were there? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Wow. -y. Okay. Well before. Okay. And um, so the, the idea behind it was to to bring some attention to computer programming in schools, because this Olympiad is only for uh, students uh, up to 20 years old, so uh, schools, uh, high schools usually. Um, and the idea was, so what we have, what we see now is that, that 25 years later, because it's now 25 years, mm. um, it's the same. Uh, most schools still don't focus on uh, on the goals that they should be focusing in when they are teaching computer programming. Some don't even teach anything related to computer programming. They take informatics as office. Uh, so teaching how Word works, how Excel works, maybe how Access works, Photoshop, but not computer programming. Um, and uh, so Aula uh, wanted this year to... So Aula has been teaching for uh, the, the, uh, those students who want to participate in the Spanish Olympiad, mm. um, has been teaching them uh, specifically to prepare for the Spanish Olympiad mm. uh, for many, many, many years. Okay. Uh, and next year, the uh, Aula wanted to open these classes to anyone in Spain online. This is something that the pandemic has changed. Now we're used to online classes, so it's an opportunity. Yeah. Not for, for the school, but for the other kids. They are used to online classes, so why not? Is, is that what you're doing at the moment at Aula? You're doing a hybrid of classes? Uh, not anymore. We we did we did it for for a while for uh, 
for for the well, actually well yes we still have some classes who are uh, home because they, they there's one case uh, of COVID so yes there are still some hybrid classes yes okay but there are very few cases now right but uh, but we did it uh, from March to June last year okay totally online classes okay how uh, we, how was it um, I didn't have to do any of the classes <laughs> I was too involved in, um, I was in teaching that last year also, but anyway, I was too involved in the IT part of everything. Um, but, uh, well, it's hard when you have to move. So we didn't miss any class. We didn't miss any day. Uh, the day that we were curfewed, we were already teaching online um, the very first day. So the transition was immediate. Uh, and that obviously means that the kids can go, can follow up with all the classes, but it always obviously also means that there's no time to transition in a in the perfect way. I see. Um, but it worked well. I think it worked. Uh, at least the families were very very happy uh, of the whole involvement of the school and and the effort that obviously was behind it. Great. Again, a lot of commitment from from the IT department, but also from the teachers. I see. And uh, so basically, yeah, the Leagues of Code is helping with the Olympiad team. Yes, next year is uh, this is something that hasn't been uh, announced. Uh, so again, backing up a little bit this year, uh, it was offered to those uh, in the Spanish Olympiad who wanted to um, to learn uh, programming through Leagues of Code, a, a scholarship. Uh, and uh, they had one month free, and then two of them would uh, get a scholarship. The, the involvement of the kids was amazing. They loved it. They still love it. Uh, they got many more than just two scholarships. Uh, Leaks of Code was uh, very happy with them, and uh, they gave 19 scholarships, which is much more than, than initially expected. And, uh, and they love it. So we got into talking with uh, the Leaks of Code team, and uh, there's a collaboration coming up next year with the Olympiad in which uh, Aula and uh, Leaks of Code, uh, through the Leaks of Code um, organization, um, will be teaching all of the Spanish kids uh, who want, of course, <laughs> uh, in a, well, I mean, in a in a in a depth and intensity and uh, level that. Uh, was would be completely unavailable if it was done from the Spanish Olympiad, obviously. <laughs> so. Right. So two things. What what is it you why did you choose Leagues of Code? Well there's so there's something that uh probably I haven't told anyone, but uh it's it's true that once so the pandemic has changed many things. Since the pandemic, many people are involved now in or are or are interested in, in uh, computer programming or anything that has to do with uh, informatics. Um, Leaks of Code comes from Harvard Space, which is uh, which has been focused in, in in computer programming and anything that has to do with it for much longer than just the opportunity that now it's brought up, um, and uh, that's something that. So when you want to build a collaboration, usually unless you're very desperate or for or you have other reasons, you want something that will last. Uh, someone or something or some entity or team who is engaged. Uh, before the pandemic in informatics means they have a passion for it. Um, and, uh, and I mean, Leaks of Code just offered this scholarships out of the blue, out of the blue, out I mean, the blue, yeah. yeah. Uh, we actually, actually they offered it for the Catalan Olympiad. And when I, when I, so as I'm part of the Catalan Olympiad, I, um, I, I was talking to Svetlana, who has, uh, who is uh, also in this team. And I was telling her, well, this is, 
what you're telling me, I mean, I, I, frankly, I couldn't even believe it in the beginning. That if this you were telling me is, is, is what I, if what I understand is what you're telling me, actually, uh, this is something we could offer to both, to the, the Catalan Olympiad, to the Spanish Olympiad, and the, to the Spanish Girls Olympiad, because this is an opportunity that most kids are not being able to, um, to get, because in their schools they are getting very little education about computer programming. And she was immediately, I mean, I was surprised to find out that they were so excited about giving it to everyone as I was, and I mean, as the, as the Olympiad was of being able to offer such an opportunity. And, um, and that's, I mean, it was, it was Leagues of Code because it's the only one who's, been off, who's come up, but also because uh, it was obvious that it was something that can go on for, for, for a long time. Okay. But Leagues of Code, why did you choose Leagues of Code? Why, I mean, in terms of how is it different to other computer programming? There's something that's very well thought, uh, and that is something that uh, if it was up to me, I would uh, set up in all schools, not only in computer com uh, program, but in any subject, which is um, that it's not that you are studying, you're 16 years old, well, you have to achieve this level. You're 16 years old, where are you now? Where can we take you to this year? Mm. Uh, and it's um, different. So there's no idea behind how old you are or be, uh, um, or, how, or which level you are at as in terms of in which uh, school year you are. Um, so it's good, at the, at the beginning of the interview, we were talking about how to push the kids further. Uh, this is the perfect example of how to push the kids further. You, they have 15 levels. Um, they, they measure how quickly the kids are learning to move them, uh, to upgrade them from one level to the other. This is, um, uh, this is a prize for them to be promoted from one league to another. Being 15, they are much uh, promoted many more times than, um, I mean, that's, that's a lot of prizes. They like several achievements they can reach. Mm. Like in gamification. Okay. Um, and uh, so and this pushes them. It challenges them. It challenges and it allows them to to reach as far as they can every year. Not just be limited by what the curricula says that you have to achieve that year, but go as far as you can. You can be 16 years old and already be training for the International Olympiad. Okay. So to be as part of the Olympiad, what 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 are the what do you need? Uh well. Funny because funny question because um, so to begin training, uh, for example in Leagues of Code, but also uh, before in the in the in the, the Spanish Olympiad, you just have to need a passion to learn, <laughs> and uh, and at those ages, uh, we're talking kids who are between four, usually between fourteen and eighteen years old, they are like sponges. They they learn anything they want. Uh, it's incredible. This compared to me now, who now I'm thirty six, <laughs> I'm a much slower learner. Um, we've had several cases this year. We've had a kid who began uh, learning pro computer programming this very same year and won the Spanish National Olympiad, and he is uh, 16 years old. Wow! Um, um, so, what you need is, as I was saying when you were asking me, what are the skills? Uh, what you need is really nothing. What you get is huge, um, as long as you have someone or something that can guide you through it. Um, so, just the passion and the motivation. Okay. <laughs> where where are the top programmers these days? Where I mean, India is. Uh... Uh, China, the U.S., Korea. I would say probably this. And where's in terms of uh, of Olympiad? 
Where's Spain in the in the league? Ah, uh, we're not doing too well. <laughs> we are slightly below the average, probably. Okay. Well, actually, not probably. I checked not long ago, and we are slightly below below the the average of the like the middle of the table. Okay, so Jacobo, that's your job to take 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 it up the uh, take it up a league. That's what we're trying to do. Yes, and and obviously with the help of the leagues of code. Yes. So, and why are you so behind women, as in women learning to code? Um, well, in the Spanish Olympiad, we always check not not just this year, but for for many years, we checked how many girls we had in the national final, mm. and it's usually very very little, if any. Um, and that's sad. Uh, we, were, uh, we were, I was saying before about this cards game, but there's no objective reason why, uh, why they should be behind, why they should know less, why they should be worse at it. There, there's no objective reason. There is no reason. <laughs> uh, so it's just, you just have to show them the way and they have to find out that they like it and then they will... Uh, I hope at some point the culture uh, will change and they will be more involved and we have 50-50, which should be uh, like what, what I expect at some point. Um, so the, what, we, what we did recently uh, was there was a coincidence of uh, situations. First, last year we had a, a gold medal girl for the first time since maybe 10, more than 10 years, I think. Um, also, uh, this year... Uh, there's uh, um, the, the International Olympiad for Girls has been created, which is a European Olympiad. It's happening next week, actually, mm -hmm. beginning this Sunday. Um, and uh, so these two situations brought us to to the conclusion that it was the right time to do it uh, because we could we could build a, uh, an Olympiad for girls that wasn't just uh, organized by men because we could involve her and actually she is involved she's the president of the association and she's doing an amazing job um, and also we could uh, there's something more than just us we can compare to the other countries and see how our girls are doing and see if we need to involve them more or uh, so there's not just the goal of 50% in the Spanish Olympiad uh, we have to be in a, in a good level internationally as girls it's not enough to have 50% in the Spanish Olympia because we could have, we could have 50% just by saying 50% of the seats will be given to the best 50, to the best I don't know 10 girls in in Spain. So you can compare. Um, and uh, and when when you when so this has been something that we have been discussing for many years. Even in the international Olympiad in the con in the conferences, there was once a conference about uh, empowering girls in computer programming. Uh, but with these things, um, politically, you have to be careful. You, you don't know how other people will understand this initiative. If you think, oh, well, you're, you know, uh, you're trying to, you're saying that women are, know less about this. And mm. that's obviously not the intention. Mm. Um, but it could be understood that way. Uh, so this was uh, a confluence of situations that gave us the opportunity and, uh, to, be a, uh, to, to do it and have... Uh, a good reason and even a, a public excuse. If anyone asks, we can say, well, this year there's an international Olympiad. All, all the countries are doing the same because it's not just us. There are several uh, women's Olympiad, girls' Olympiad that are being created in this year in other uh, countries in Europe. Okay. And the one that's happening this Sunday? This is the European Olympiad. So we had the girls' uh, Olympiad final in February, I believe, the end of February. And uh, this Sunday for a whole week, we are bringing the four best girls in Spain uh, to Barcelona and they are competing on, I might be wrong, but I think it's on Tuesday and on Thursday. 
Okay, nice. <laughs> but I could be wrong because the next week is the, also the International Olympiad, uh, the Mixed Olympiad, Girls and Boys, and I have a bit of... Uh, I, I'm not sure now about the dates. It's two weeks uh, with many things. Okay. Is it so? The competition is is one whole week. Is it? The competition is two days, uh -huh. uh, but it's the whole week they are here, and we have some activities for them. It's very important that the that the also with boys, but in this case the girls meet and uh, get to know each other and build a community, and uh, are motivated among them, not only just because there's a trainer that's motivating them, but they have some community with whom they can share and they can build the interest. So the community is important, is it? Very important. Sharing ideas? Yep. And, and building together? Yes, and, and uh, so challenging each other. When, when you know other people, uh, you are giving a, a problem, you're giving a, a challenge, and uh, you want to compare it to the others. Uh, and uh, be the best, to so be the first to solve it, or be the best to solve it, or, you know, when you're doing it alone, uh, it can work for a while, it might work forever, uh, but it's not the case for everyone. Okay, good. So it takes a team to solve problems? Sometimes. <laughs> yes. Well, it helps when you work. It helps a lot. Yeah, it helps. And you're, you also have your own um, e-code. So e-code. Yeah? Easy code. Easy code. Yeah. Sorry, easy code. <laughs> yeah, because I was I was looking at it um, earlier. So basically, you're basic giving people the basics of how to code. The the, the idea behind easy code is a it's a, a programming platform mm -hmm. uh, which allows um, the kids from very early ages. Easy code. That's it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, easier E S double E. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, the idea behind it is to have a, a programming language or programming platform that allows um, from kids to learn with a common platform from very early ages, so from just graphical um, click and run uh, to full syntax typing code. Because the problem we have um, is that we have several computer programming platforms, each specific for different stages in the computer programming uh, education. We have very, uh, very interactive uh, platforms, which are uh, click and run. We have uh, Scratch, which is blocks dragging. Mm -hmm. uh, so you cannot uh, fail with syntax errors. Uh -huh. And then we have uh, full languages like Python or C++ or Java. Um, but the kids, every time they're, they are challenged with or, or, or presented with a new language, they feel challenged and it's a discouraging moment for many of them. Uh, so this is not a, pl a platform that's meant to be the only platform. Uh -huh. It's a platform that's meant to be there in the background so you can transition from one stage to the next um, and, uh, and they know they've used it before and they feel comfortable with, uh, with the platform. That's the idea behind Easy Code. I see. Okay, so it's making them feel at ease with different stages. Yeah, it's including. not meant to be the only platform. It's meant to be uh, to be worked with along with other platforms uh, to pr to um, proficient in every different stage. So you're the uh, so from for example, you can transition from blocks uh, from from point and run, uh, sorry, from click and run to uh, to pra to setting up parameters. Uh, the transition can be done with this, but then you can move on to some other platform, maybe even a robot. Then from uh, from parameter setting up to block dragging with this platform, and then you can switch to Scratch, or you can come 
back and forth between the different platforms. I see. So it's understanding different platforms. Yeah, it's it's the transition to, to ease the transition. I see. So how do people use it? I mean, do they just sign up or how do they? It's yeah. just free. It's, uh, you can even download it and work it offline. When we were developing it, we thought uh, so my idea behind everything has to be that education is uh, education should be free. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, should be available for everyone. And uh, one concern we had was I was developing it uh, initially alone, but also later with Joan Lemay, who's also in the Spanish Olympiad. And uh, I was um, one of our concerns was what about Africa? Uh, what about uh, people who don't have access to the internet? That's in nice. I don't know, in, in law, in you know, random places in Alaska. Uh, so it works also offline, which brings some limitations uh, also, but uh, but it, it should work everywhere. So okay. it's just either download and run it uh, in your computer or or just play.isico.com and it's just a platform to work straight ahead. Okay, so the, I mean, you've definitely seen uh, you know in your time of education an increase in terms of you know the demand for coding or yep. learning to code yes yeah and and what in terms of you know education as it as it stands today and as it was when you started uh, teaching at aula what changes are you seeing like now today and where do you see there needs to be changes in the classroom regarding aula or regarding uh... Regard, regarding learning the changes haven't been that many mostly technology mm -hmm. has been introduced mm -hmm. uh lots of technology even sometimes i see schools uh in, introducing technology without any uh reason other than that including technology but I, this happens everywhere not just in schools um, but the classes are almost the same it's just teacher teaching um it uh we in spanish we have um we have a term for it, I don't know it in English, but anyway. Uh, so it's one teacher teaching and uh, the rest are listening. It's changed a little with other schools, you know, Montessori, with, with, in projects, etc. So there have been some developments. So more project-based. Uh, yeah, there are, there are project-based project um, uh, schools. Most schools have uh, teams working. Uh, I, mean, I mean, Aula, of course. Uh, but I'm, I'm talking about education in general. I uh, have team uh, project-based uh, projects, <laughs> team-based projects. Um, but the, the, how the classes are taught haven't changed too much if uh, other than this few. I don't feel there's been a big uh, change as in a huge burst. That's something that a, par a paradigm change. But do you feel that there needs to be changes? I mean, in terms of the way things are exam, you know, the way they examine students, the way they learn, the way they... So definitely the way that, what we were discussing earlier, the way that uh, kids are pushed further. We are, I think, uh, the, the education has been democratized Democratized. Democratized. Thank you. Uh, which is good, but in uh, it, it's lost the idea that uh, it's lost the focus on those who uh, are the the edge of the lens. Uh, those are being pulled back because they they they, they have lost most of the attention uh, in the class. Yeah, but you were saying that, you know, you need to manage that or find a balance in terms yes. of progressing the, the fast students and, and, and giving more time to the students yep. who are having problems with learning, for example. Yes. So you feel that 
is important to... that is i think that is very important uh for most schools the what's important is to is to have students obviously i mean for all schools to, what's most important is to have, to have students and you have to take care of all of all of them and students usually don't drop because they are not paid attention when they excel they 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 leave the school because they are not paid attention when they cannot catch up so the focus has been going more and more in education in this direction, which is very good, obviously. Uh, but my feeling is, and from what I talk, especially from talking to the kids itself, this uh, great performers in, in the, who reached the final in the Spanish Olympiad, they are left behind in this process. And they don't have any, let's not say any support. There's always someone who's motivated enough to try and uh, be with them. and. Uh, and guide them, but uh, but they don't have the support that they should have to outperform as far as they can. Okay, so that that needs to be improved. Yes, okay. I think so. <laughs> and Aula, Aula is recognizing that. Aula does a lot of work on that. Yes. Okay, for different different levels of uh, different levels of learning, and you know, uh, the the classes are well. Aula is already quite. Um, the curriculum now is is quite um let's say i i mean rigorous uh, thank you i i wasn't sure which word to use <laughs> rigorous um and then those who it, it, it's not mandatory for anyone but those who who want and feel and obviously are guided by their teachers to to do this uh they can attend uh, special classes specialized for biology which are in preparation for the olympiad specialized in informatics in math etc uh, which are out of the outside of the curriculum obviously they are uh, taught usually on wednesday's afternoon there are no classes on wednesday afternoon in aula uh, so they have some way to channel all, all their motivation and their uh, incredible speed in learning and uh, and make something out of it okay nice very good and you know you're obviously very passionate about teaching yeah. are you and what what else are you passionate about I love uh, traveling, for example. I'm very passionate about traveling. Um, yeah, probably those are the two main ones. <laughs> okay, and you also you're working with a community project in yes in Chile. You were talking, or you're working with a project in Cambridge, which is support. the project began in Barcelona with uh -huh. uh, with someone who was um, doing her PhD in uh, in UPC, University uh, Politecnico University of Catalonia, and. Uh, she wanted so she's very social uh she's has a huge uh, focus in in social uh, awareness and social equality social equality sorry and um she she had a project um in her phd project was about uh building sustainable um ecological and uh, very affordable houses for everyone uh, then she moved uh, to Cambridge to con to continue her PhD, and uh, this and she she wanted to build this as an as an uh, NGO um, to bring these uh, houses to everyone. Mm, nice. <laughs> who who was able to you know to, the idea behind this is to to build communities of houses. Very nice. And uh, she's from Chile, so there's also people involved in Chile. And uh, oh, I've, I've lost track a little bit of, of, of who's involved. <laughs> but you're supporting this project. Yes, I'm the treasurer. I, okay. I, I don't have an active involvement as in uh, what we're doing, but uh, uh, I'm, I'm the treasurer. Okay, so your role as treasurer. Yeah. What does that involve? 
just paperwork. Mainly. That's it. <laughs> yeah, you, like, you like doing paperwork? It's not I like it, but I support the idea behind the project. Okay, <laughs> and you know how to do it, obviously. Um, what does, you know, in te- well, another thing, what books are you reading? What, do you listen to podcasts? I, I'm not much into podcasts, right? I'm sorry to say that. But you read books? I, I read manuals. I don't usually read novels. Now I'm reading one. It's uh, this, uh, it's not a novel, it's uh, Sapiens. About, uh, yes. I, I'm enjoying it very much. I'm a slow reader because I, I usually don't have time to read because I'm involved in quite so many things and, uh, and that takes time. But, um, but this, this book, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it very much. What, what are you learning from the book? Uh, perspective. Yeah, that's that's actually what you were asking me about my interest before traveling. I love traveling because of the perspective you learn and the things you you take for granted, not only uh, in an economic way, but also in a social way. Uh, This book is also um, allowing me to learn in a historical way perspective. So I'm I'm enjoying it very much. Perspective is very important. Yeah. (laughs) And we're looking forward to having you on the panel next week on education yeah. is there anything that you feel is important to talk about in terms of yes the future of education definitely digital thinking <laughs> and uh and uh, what i've been saying over and over in the interview uh to push further those who can be pushed further okay very nice well jack it's been lovely having you today um thank you for being so insightful and you know giving us so much information about uh, coding and the importance of, of learning to code and uh, your experience at Arla. thanks to you this was another episode of the see you tomorrow podcast thank you for listening if you'd like to learn more about harbor space visit harbor.space and we'll see you tomorrow <laughs>